0: Welcome to the Jersey Arts Podcast. I'm Susan Wallner. I'm joined today by choreographer Graham Lustig, the Artistic Director of Lustig Dance Theatre. Welcome, Graham.
1: Thank you very much.
0: It seems like every ballet company has to have a Nutcracker. You had a visually spectacular version called Graham Lustig's The Nutcracker, which premiered at the McCarter Theatre in 2000 and was performed for many years in New Jersey before being acquired by the Oakland Ballet in California. Your current company, Lustig Dance Theatre, is in the second year of a new production called A Jazzy Nutcracker which is a completely new take on the old favorite. How did you make it fresh again?
1: Well, I grew up in London being a Brit and uh, it was a fun period and I just wanted to, having done what I would call a classic version with the Full Tchaikovsky score uh, set in uh, Vienna in the early part of the 20th century, when women were no longer wearing corsets and so forth. I wanted to get even freer, so the idea of using some of the social dancing that was used at parties was at first was the first key. But the truth of the matter is that Duke Ellington took about four of the Tchaikovsky uh, tunes from the, the Nutcracker and he uh, wrote them for big band orchestra. And I fell in love with this. I mean, just it's, the orchestration is glorious and his ingenuity in, in re- uh, interpreting those uh, beautiful melodies that, was, that are quite familiar, especially to those of us in the dance world. So that really put the seed of the idea in my head that we could take this to a jazz version. And so I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Paul Andrina, uh, who was at Mason Gross School of the Arts, uh, teaching composition. And so over the course of two years, Paul and I worked together. And uh, so we would decide how we would structure the piece, uh, which tunes would be going to be used for which dances. And I had an idea that I wanted to introduce into the life of my lead dancer, whose name is Clara, I wanted to introduce a new boy in the neighbourhood. So I decided that if it was Christmas uh, time, that we would have a group of carolers coming to the door, obviously caroling. But rather than using a carol, we took one of the tunes, which often is known as marzipan, or the German dance from Act Two, and Paul rather cleverly made that into a sort of vocal line, which is now sung. And that is the way that we sort of Used some of the existing melody lines, but to, to, to retell the story.
0: The music that we're hearing throughout this podcast here and there is the same music, but it's not as it will be heard.
1: That's right. So, in order to to work on the score, what we do is uh, Paul sends me a basic file. We then discuss it. We look at the structure. Perhaps I ask him to lengthen, shorten, or change the orchestration. And then, once we've come to an agreement, then it goes through a sort of a a rather clever computer uh, realization process. And that's what we rehearse with. So it's it's a fairly realistic sound, but it's not quite as as rich as of course as the as the real instrument sound in the theatre.
0: I know that you try to use live music whenever you can. This is quite a much bigger deal than just dancing to recorded music, isn't it?
1: It is indeed.
0: What made you want to have this be live music?
1: I think that the experience for everybody in the hall, on either side of the footlight, is so enriched by having this element of live music uh, we actually had our rehearsal this Sunday past weekend with the band here in the studio and you should if you could just see the way that it enlivens the company artists and the 40 students that are working with us it brings the whole thing it makes me go goose pimples as i talk about it right now it just takes it to the next dimension and i uh, i think that is a beautiful thing it's a great privilege to have the live music but i also think that dimensionally it is is it's is it, it enriches everybody's experience in the, in the venue and the tunes are beautiful bossanovas unfold and you think how is that Tchaikovsky but it just and your toe starts tapping and it's just it takes you away
0: Clara has a, a wild adventure similar to the classic Nutcracker in the sense that she's going from one scene to another scene and meeting these unusual characters but it is not does she have a Nutcracker
1: it is The Boy Next Door
0: He's the Nutcracker. He
1: appears in the dream, and he is actually rather like, if you look at the Beatles' Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, you look at those jackets with the epaulettes and everything. So I thought, I, I found so many places in the 1960s fashion where this could be placed. But not just in fashion, I also was inspired by the style of choreography that was being used in the 60s. Growing up in London, I was privileged to participate in a lot of different types of dance and workshops. Matt Mattox came over frequently and I worked with him as a young dancer and I had one of Bob Fosse's dancers come to London and teach me a solo. And so I felt as a young person, when I was nine-year-old, twelve-year-old growing up in the 60s, that I felt a very strong sense of affinity with the dance that was around me. And of course there were social dances at the time as well, like The Twist. My world was full of different types of dance. And I think that that was something I found very uh, enriching and fun and uh, challenging as well. And I wanted to sort of put my arms around that period through a dance perspective. But at the core of the story, it's still a journey of a young girl who actually gets bumped on the head by her spaceman wannabe brother and she falls down, and then the dream occurs. And in that dream, it is a, it's an adventure, of course, through a battle scene to a skating rink, and then she's invited to a, a department store called Drossermeyer's. And in the department store, there unfolds a fashion show, and eventually it turns into a magic ballroom, in which she is the main protagonist and dancing. And um, so, you know, it, it comes full circle, and she wakes up, and she wonders, well, was this really a dream?
0: The Nutcracker is such a big production for most dance companies, maybe every, I don't know, maybe every dance company. um, And it's often where younger dancers get their first chance at bigger roles. It's It's a large group of dancers. Where are you getting all your dancers, especially the young dancers from?
1: We have 40 non-professionals in the production and I would say that of those, about 36 of them are young people who are 17 and younger. We have a couple of um, adult dancers who are here at our studio here in New Brunswick who dance for fun and one of the ladies is a lawyer but every day she comes here puts on her leotard so there are a couple of sort of more mature dancers in the production most of them are young most of them are from our studio but there are probably about um, 25% are from local studios because I hold open auditions and uh Inspira Dance Studio is also here in New Brunswick. I'm close friends with Chris Smith, who runs that, so we have quite a nice exchange with their students coming to be in this production. And uh, for some of the smaller schools that don't have a Nutcracker, it allows them to have that experience. So they get to work with professionals, they get to learn advanced choreography in which they're playing roles. Depending on the role, those uh, young people that are in the party, they have a lot of creativity uh, asked of them, expected of them, and they're allowed to bring themselves to the party and, and really develop their own characters which is fantastic.
0: What do you think is sort of the, the the best part of doing a Nutcracker?
1: I think it's because it's a piece that involves so many different members of the community. We've already mentioned the students that are here, both young students and mature students. It has plenty of roles for the company to dance. We involve a, hi- a high school marching band. So Act 2 opens as a, as a holiday parade outside the department store. So we have uh, the um, Columbia High School Marching Band and the Monroe High School Marching Band working with us in those two different locations. They uh, One of my dancers has gone and taught the marching band choreography to the band and then whilst they're marching i have my two lead dancers uh, performing and dancing with the band around so they, so then of course there are the community members that in, are involved the volunteers and not least the public that can come so this is a this is certainly a family show and i think that a, a you know a child of you know three four years old can sit there quite readily and enjoy the story as it as it unfolds in front of them so those are some of the you know for me it's just a a time to to get a sense of community community around this art form which sometimes you know when you're doing perhaps more modern more abstract works you know can be more isolated more abstract and uh, more like a, a modern art piece in a gallery as opposed to something that's just in the in the heart and soul of the community.
0: And you have a, the experience of listening to a jazz band. And how big is this band? It's
1: six members.
0: Six members, Yes, right. when
1: well, we have Mark Hitchko as our conductor as well.
0: Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. Elastic Dance Theatre performs a jazzy nutcracker with live music at SOPAC, the South Orange Performing Arts Centre, on December 6th, and at the Monroe Performing Arts Centre on December 12th and 13th. For ticket information, visit LustigDanceTheatre.org. For more about all of the arts in New Jersey, visit JerseyArts.com. I'm Susan Wollner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening.
1: The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.